Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello and welcome to The View from the Gladys Street podcast. I'm Paul Wheelock and you've got me tonight because your regular host, Ian Kroll, has got his feet up at home before returning to work for day one of the Grand National. Not bad for some lads, is it? No, fair enough, yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the voice of John Howard. And we're also joined by Conor O'Neill. You okay, boys? Very well, thank you. We mentioned the Inter the Grand National on uh, Thursday, but the only race we're bothered about on this podcast is the race for Europe because Everton are now very much back in the hunt for seventh place after what happened at the weekend. Uh, so to talk about the 2-0 win at West Ham and much more else besides. Uh, as I say, we're joined by two regulars, John and Conor. Start you both off, boys. Were you impressed by what you, you're seeing at the London Stadium on Saturday night? Yeah, absolutely, Paul. It was the best performance of the season so far. The most complete 90 minutes we've had under Marco Silva. And I think the only real gripe, if it could be a gripe that any other someone could have, was that we did win by a much bigger margin. Because I think if we'd have won 5-0 on Saturday, no one could have complained because we really were that good. You know, we deserved we, we it 1-0 up. Then we, you know, missed was a three or four real good chances. Eventually get a second. And... In Trevor styles, then that lingering doubt, thinking, "Oh, well, we, you know, we've seen this before." But then second half again, we come out, play really, really well. Because maybe we've got a couple more in the counter attack, the wrong option here and there, bit wasteful in front of goal. But no, definitely it was. Uh, it, I think what made it more, more special was that we we built on the the Chelsea win. I think so far this season we've, we've had really good performances and really good victories that we've never really backed them up. I mean, you know, you look back to Bournemouth where we'd be bombed for Goodison 2-0, weather the storm in that game, come back, got a 2-0 win, and then back up the week later with a defeat to Southampton. Then got dumped out to the FA Cup a week after that. And you, you didn't want to go back, back down that road. You wanted to really see us kick on, you know, and and sort of put a bit of consistency together. And I think on Saturday we'd be done that from the, where you think where we were, you know, half an hour into the Chelsea game to where we finished at the London Stadium there in the space of three weeks. Well, it's obviously the international break. But, it, it was just a really positive, positive signs on Saturday and, you know, hopefully, hopefully long may it continue. I can only build on what Connor's got to say. I think uh, someone put quite a, a decent tweet out because no social media can get a little bit toxic, lads, but uh, someone put a tweet out, you know, about Everton's inconsistency saying if we can get the first half of Newcastle and the second half of Chelsea, we're going to do all right. And I think on Saturday we got that, that's a really did I you know, shows, yeah. build on. It was, it was complete. You know, you go 2-0 up at half-time and the amount of tweets, oh, it's Newcastle Revisit, Newcastle Revisit. We come out and as you say, the only gripe, which let's be honest, any football fan, if you're the only gripe you've got is you're not banging in more, then you're doing something right, aren't you? I think every shirt to a man, I think everyone knew their job, you know, and there just seemed to be that, suddenly that belief, you know, I've been on this, podcast quite a number of times and I've always refused really to call Everton a team I think they're a talented bunch of individuals but do you know what I'm beginning to see signs of a team now whether that can last I think Arsenal's a great test for us this coming Sunday but I think we're looking like a team I think everyone's knowing their job I think everyone more importantly is happy with their job and 
genuinely, I think players who were now up before were maybe starting to, I think now, Bernard in particular, is starting to show exactly why people talk about him the way they do. Dean has been incredible. You know, I thought Gomez, I mean, that, that guy, he's like an artist on the pitch. He really, really is what he wants to do. I think Zuma's was really powerful. And generally, as a team, it was a brilliant team effort and a deserved win that really... Well, comes to something when Fabianski is without doubt the man of the match. It's a good point, isn't it? I know the benefit of hindsight, but do you think that 17-day break, break we had between... Uh, it was the defeat too. It was, it was Watford, wasn't it? And then yeah. the, the first game back was Cardiff. We're really reaping the benefits of that now because it was quite key, wasn't it? At that mm. point, we were at pretty low ebb, you know, yeah. lose to Cardiff and there was the fears they could even get dragged into something, you know, like that we no one wanted. But has Silva come up Trump's here, you know, with what he's done in that kind of enforced layoff? I, well, I think to me personally, you know, you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. I think there's been a little bit of soul searching, regrouping, chatting, stuff like that, because these are the same players, but they aren't playing like the same players that were before. And as I think to come back, I think there has been a lot of chat. And I think maybe uh, they're seeing the plan a little bit more. I think maybe Brands and Silver have got their heads together and decided how we're going to move forward, who's going where, who knows, you know, did people now know what they're going to be part of and where they're going to be part of it? So I kind of agree with you, Paul. I think there's definitely has been a little bit of soul searching, a little bit of chatting. And, you know, we needed... In boxing terms, we were getting pounded. We were just coming back round after round, losing. We needed that little break, that little few seconds in the corner where, but I think the break away. Now we've suddenly come back and I say we've looked like a more competitive outfit. We've had a few bumps along the road, but now we're looking at hard games as opportunities, whereas in the past it was going to be how many we're going to lose by. You know, Connor, you work in the media like myself and I thought after... Uh, the West Ham game, everything I read, apart from the Echoes website and Everton fan sites, it was so focused on how poor West Ham were when, you know, I think anyone in Everton, Liverpool, any supporter of any club who watched that game would have placed Everton to the high heavens. Do you think we've not got the credit we've deserved? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because whenever stuff like that happens or gets said, sometimes people get accused of giving them too much credit when it's not really due. You don't get... It's a tough one. I think that I think the whole West Ham thing is is a continued sort of circus almost, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's just been it's it's been a story for so long now, hasn't it? West Ham and the London Stadium and you know everything that goes with it. That I think it's almost now the sort of the easy the easy way in to, to analyse things. And again, you know what? The weekend, I think Adam Jones was posted in in, in the air hole the, the contrast of Arnautovic and Idrissa Gay. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, you know, Great I mean, yeah. it was a good piece. That yeah. Uh, so again, I think it's one of them, isn't it? With West Ham, I think they're just the, the type of club who just always seem to be doing themselves no favors and always just seem to create their own downfall. And I think people prefer to pick up on that than often what what goes on on a football pitch. I think nowadays in, in the media, in some respects. It's probably more interesting what goes on off the pitch than he is on the pitch because from a from a, a media point of view, you've got to look at something more more that's not so evident. Mm-hmm. So we look at like on the pitch, well people would have watched it and said, Oh yeah, Everton were really good. So do you then go away and talk about that's the high heavens when everyone knows says, that already? Yeah, yeah. Or just try and look at a different angle and think, well actually no. You look at this at West Ham. This was the, you know, the, some of the stats. There was a couple of stats getting branded about both. It's the, the umpteen time that they've not scored a goal. You know, mm. so I think taking me media cap off. Sorry, put me media cap on. I think it's just looking at it from a different angle more than 
you know, praising for the high heavens. But you look at everything in the past and, and, and the media, it's, it's a love-hate relationship, isn't it? Yeah. You look back at that time when I think we were fifth. Oh, and he's, and he's, done, he's done the graphic. Yeah. <laughs> he's done the graphic. We were just, yeah. He's done, yeah. he's done the teams who could potentially finish in the top six. And even though we were fifth, we went on the graphic. And you're just thinking, you know, it's it's it's, it's a love eight relationship, I think, so isn't it? So I, I don't think yeah. any Everton fan anywhere has any expectations of, of a lot of the, the national press anyway. So I, well, it doesn't surprise me. And I think it's best off if it goes under the radar anyway, to be honest, because I think if you, you get too much in the spotlight, you look at AI Spurs, you know, people have been waxing lyrical about yeah. them all season. What have they done in the last couple of weeks? They've gone backwards massively, you know. I don't know, they were beaten, Rob going off, off track, they were beaten the weekend, but there's so many wrong things going wrong there. But yeah, if, you, if you've read the national papers and, then, yeah. and listened to the national media for the past six months, you think they were Barcelona at times. Yeah. You really would. So I wouldn't get that up or, you know, look too much into it. No, fair point. But we will uh, sing the praises of the Everton players. And one in particular, John, you mentioned him earlier. Bernard, you know, we got his first mm. goal for the club. I think it was his, uh, no, his first, prem, first Premier League goal for the club. And yeah, yeah, his first, first shot. shot yeah. I tell you what, he's gone close enough to get on there. Yeah. And a few crosses, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah. One in the derby, one against Chelsea. Uh, memory serves me correctly. Has he become, John, now one of the first names on the team sheet? I think so. Yeah, I think Everton have a proud tradition of uh, your cult heroes. And they're not necessarily the ones who you know, win player this season, but there's just something about them kind of players. I mean, I never got to watch him, but I'm sure we've seen all the archives. Duncan McKenzie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, my he, dad's he was favorites, a guy. Yeah. yeah, I remember my dad used to say and say to me, you'd pay the entrance for him fee for him on your I do think Bernard's got a little bit of that about him. He he is like a little magician. And you know what I like about him in the days where you're getting Lads who were growing up and they're good, good at football, and they're not necessarily six foot two and full of muscle. They can look at a player like Bernardo, you know, but like Pina, not very well built. But I tell you what, no one shakes him off the ball, and he's starting to look. He's a Premier League player on merit, not because of physicality, because he has the mind to be that class Premier League player. He has that player, you know, Everton. We are the school of science. That's what we, you know, and we do love those little players who can unlock doors and stuff like that. I think when Bernard gets on the ball. You know, in a sort of different way to Richarlison, Richarlison maybe with the goals, but but now when he gets on the ball, for me, I look at him and think, he's going to make something happen him, whether he gets the ball, you know, on the byline or he gets the ball in the left-back position. I just think there's something about Bernard. I think, go on, son, do something. Do something a little bit different. And more often than not, he, he does. And I think that cult hero status, I do think he's got that. I think he's like the next cult hero. Cuddleston, really, I do. If, if he can keep his feet on the ground and you hang on to him, I expect very big things from him in the coming weeks and next season. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Kind of like he's become like a, a, a fiction on that left side, but it means Richarlison, to be fair, he's been played in so many different positions this season. He's started now more and more on the right. What do you reckon of that? What's well, working, isn't it? So I don't, I don't think you could, you could honestly look at changing anything or moving anything around because we've struggled so, so much for this season to get any kind of consistency yeah. going forward. Yeah. Particularly think, in those wide areas. And I think at the well, minute, yeah. I think at the minute we're really, really, you know, not luck riding our luck. That that's probably the wrong way to look at it. But really, really, you know, riding high with the success of the a stable from four. And I think now you talk about Bernard, almost one of the first things on the team. I think the whole from four. I'll probably the first, yeah. you know, on the team sheet now because, you know, okay, Calvert Lewin, he, he just lack a little bit of composure in front of goal and he can be a little bit wasteful like we've all mm-hmm. seen. But he's got something about him. I mean, I really yeah. like him. I think he's got something about him. You know, he works hard. He puts a real shift in. 
Gilfie Sigerson's now finding the type of success that you would expect. Yeah, he's like him. That's one And Richarlison and Bernard have, have offered some kind of stability to in, in positions and areas that you know we've notoriously struggled so far this season. And I think now we're now on a whole, but we're really, really, you know, we look a confident side going forward now. When you look back to you know four six weeks ago, we we, we talk about you know we were critical we didn't put more past them. We were talking then about how we were going to score a goal, let, let alone yeah. how we, yeah. let alone the fact that we weren't going to yeah. score. We could have scored five. We were yeah. saying, well, how are we going to score a goal? I don't get how, you know, I, I think back to like the Manchester City game, the, the midweek one, and that was a, a good spirit of performance. And, you know, we dug in deep and put a real shift in, although yeah. we were beaten. Competitive. But I remember thinking the next day, well, yeah, it was good, but we didn't create a clear cut chance yeah. there all game, you know. And if we can't create chances, we're not going to win many games. Yeah. Now, fast forwards, you know, eight weeks, eight weeks on from that, six weeks on from that, we're now talking about the fact that we didn't mother the team and put far past them. So the, the change is, is, is rapid and I think we're, we're really now benefiting from that stable front four and yeah. it's about time that we kind of got something moving in terms of the forward play, forward areas and I just hope that the, the whole four of them stay fit for now to the end of the season because I think with them in them positions, we could really, really kick on. Yeah, it's interesting one. It's going right to one end of the pitch, but you, you know, to be fair, it's going right to the other end of the pitch, isn't it, John, with the, the defence? And I'm picking out a couple of players for plays here, but I just really want to do this, fella, because <clears throat> he's been uh, just the focus of so much debate this season, Seamus Coleman, but is it any coincidence that uh, in these last five games when we've kept a clean sheet in four of them, the one when we didn't keep a clean sheet, the captain was missing at Newcastle, you know? What have you made of him of late? I don't think it's any coincidence at all, but I think you've hit on a very good point. I think we all love Seamus, but I think the general consensus was uh, he's past his best season. But I think he he did an article, I don't know if you saw it, and he was like, you know, uh, again, very, very honest man. I think that's what people love about him. He, he plays from the heart, don't he? Everything about him is genuine. And he said, you know, people now when I have bad games blame me leg. It's not to do with me leg. He said, I had bad games before, no one mentioned me leg. I just haven't played well. And I think if you as a player, you can look at yourself and say that, then to me, you can only improve because he's looking genuinely at an, as, as objectively as you can and come back and play him. But, I mean, I think his running for Bernard's goal was excellent. And I, and I think as well, and I've said a lot about it, I think Everton have massively missed leaders. You know, Tim Cale's recently re- retired and I look at him and pine for the days of his leadership. As you know, Coleman's suddenly beginning to look like a leader again. He's the leader. Well, he's captain, so he has to be the leader. And I, I do think the team ethic will benefit greatly. Particularly, a lot of our players are young. These these aren't you know overly experienced, but they're still quite young. You know, and obviously he's twenty eight. What what have you? But it's still quite a young team. Calvert Lewin's still very much finding his feet as a player. But I think to have that leadership, to have that vocal leadership, to lead by example. Not only I think Coleman's improved. I think he's improved. Vac side of his game as well, and well, the the proofs in the pudding, isn't it? You know, two 0 against Chelsea, a very commanding, dominating performance against West Ham. It's certainly something to build on, isn't it? Would we be a harsh on him earlier this season? Even though he's admitted himself, I read that interview. I think it was with Don yeah. King from the Mail, wasn't That's, it? Was fantastic, yeah. you know. But were we a bit harsh on him? You know, at the end of the day, he's a captain, probably one of the club's best ever value for money buys, and he's come back from a horrible injury. Um. Very harsh on him. A little bit, maybe, but I don't think too much. I think in football, there's a problem and a tendency that 
you're never quite as good as what you made out to be and you're probably never quite as bad as what you made out to be. And I think Coleman fell into the, you know, the latter bracket, should we say, you know, he probably, he was poor and he was struggling, but he probably wasn't as bad as what we yeah. we all thought. Um, I just think with Seamus Coleman, he probably set the benchmark that high and the standards were that high that the natural dip in form mm. and his loss of form all coincided in one. And from going from seeing this, you know, rip and full throttle, right back, right wing back almost, yeah. to the, the bloke who couldn't cross, couldn't, you know, was struggling to get forward and looked massively vulnerable defensively. And maybe himself needs a little bit of time off the team to sort of go away, regroup, you know, get back at it. Because I think it must be hard as a player when you know you're struggling yourself and week in, week out, you keep going back out there. And probably, he probably felt like every winger he came up against. Yeah. Was a world piece. There were teams <laughs> were targeting, weren't yeah, they? You know, you know, there's no doubt about that. And you come, against, you come up against, you know, wingers, you know, he probably comes off the pitch thinking, well, you know, two years ago, three years ago, I probably was having my back pocket, but yeah. yeah, I've just made them look like a world piece. And it must be tough. And mm. I think the big thing is the psychological, it's almost, you know, resurgence that, that Coleman showed because he has come back from it. He, he has sort of gone away, dust himself down and come back. And again, he, you know, he looked rejuvenated and, Maybe a little bit as well. It's coincided a bit with your Walcott being taken off the team. Yeah. You know, was Walcott helping Coleman as much as probably what he needed to? Probably not. No, was he leaving him? You, you talked about he was getting targeted. Yeah. Was Seamus Coleman getting back when he was getting doubled up on down the right? So the, the opposition's left or right? Probably not. So that all that sort of work go, goes against you, doesn't it? And it's no surprise that since Richardson's gone out there, they've sort of kind of built up a bit of a relationship and. You know, hopefully, hopefully it'll be the start of a, a new Blossom wing partnership, what, what we've seen the Blues have so many of over the years. Do you think Kenny deserves a bit of credit as well? I think Seamus Coleman is a very, again, very objective. I think he relishes competition. I think John Joe Kenny, while he's not pulled up any trees, I think he's more than justified the fact that he can mm. go and play a decent game. I think maybe Coleman's looked and thought, actually, this isn't a kid anymore. This is a maybe a viable option that someone can come in and, and do a job for them. I mean, I'd love John Joe Kenny to go and be the next Seamus Coleman, but he's certainly at the moment, I think justifying, you know, I think he's had a couple of very decent games. He's not let anyone down, you know, and I think maybe that, I think Coleman's looked and thought to himself, well, hang on, lads, I'm not quite finished here, so I need to up my game a little bit to keep this young buck out the team. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe I, he deserves a little bit. Yeah, of I see what you're saying. I think, though, I think ultimately, though, I think at come the end of, or come the summer, sorry, I still think we will be looking to bring in a right back. Without doubt. I, Without I still doubt. think, I know, I know people look at it go, oh, Coleman's done well. and Yeah, he has. But for me, I still think we'll be looking to bring in a right back in the summer. Almost like a Dean to, to Baines, yeah. yeah. And I think if that does happen, I think unfortunately, I think you might see John Joe can he leave the club. Yeah. Because see, yeah. you struggle to see them where you get... Yeah. Because Coleman's still got years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, you struggle to get two. You're not going to get two right backs into one position. You're not going to get three right backs into one no. position. So, and as a young lad, he's probably going to do more harm than yeah. good playing third man fiddle yeah, exactly. to, to, to two right backs. And you know, I, that is the thing. That I still think we should be looking at bringing a right back in anyway. I don't think you know Coleman's t- upturning form. And while it's been great and stuff, you've, you've got we've got to look forward now. We've got to move mm. forward. I think the, the problem with this club has been for too long is that we've either stood still or gone, and gone stale. We've kept people on. Bit sentimentality. Yeah. You'd bit, you bit of that. Yeah. It's a business, isn't it? You know, Coleman would be the first to say, wouldn't he? He'd be the first to say, look, I've had me time and stuff like that. Yeah. It's not going to go away. And just, but I think he'd be for the good of the team. I think he'd happily take a step back. 
if it meant that, you know, Leighton Baines has done the same and he's been the model professional and when he's come in, has he let anyone down? Yeah. I think Coleman certainly embodies the same sort of answer that Baines does. Yeah, I just think we, we, we can't stand still no more. Yeah. I think we've stood still far too long yeah, in the past. Without shadow. And I think we need to move forward and by moving forward, you've got to, you know, Marcel Brands and Marco Silva are ultimately going to make very tough decisions. Some might see them as ruthless. Some might see them as being wrong. But if it means getting younger, fresher blood into the team to kick us on, then for me it's a no-brainer. And ultimately, Coleman's been you know fantastic service, and you can never knock him. But come come next season, would it be a little bit disappointed if he'd still be the only full back at the club, the right back at the club as first choice? I probably would be here because I think it's something that we need to start addressing now to move forward. I don't think that's unfair though. I think I think that's you being an Evertonian. I think I don't think anyone, you know, it, as you say, it's nice to see, but this is a business, you know. And if I'd personally love the Palace lad, don't know whether that's going to happen. But if it improves your side, you'll drop your favourite player, won't you? Yeah. Why not? I, I just think over the years we've been too guilty, haven't we? Have given. Yeah. You know, you look at like Tony Hibbert. Mm. There's, there's, you know, being umpteen players, haven't you? Been given one extra one year, the extra two years there. And you don't kick a ball in them two or three, you thinking, mm. well, what was the point in that? Yeah. You know, the Moyes club kind of. Yeah, you know, yeah. oh, yeah, but they've been loyal to us for they five years, six, six yeah. years, but no. And what? You know, who, who really, who really, really cares? You know, yeah. they've been well paid for six years, yeah. haven't they? Yeah. You know, you know, you yeah. know. It's, we need to move forward, we yeah. need to kick on. You know, the, the, the thing in the Premier League now is you can't stand still. You know, under David Moyes, we got away a little bit because a lot of clubs were just content. We're staying in the division, happy where they were, and we kind of were content with the fact that we were always going to be the seventh best team in the yeah. league, maybe sixth on the odd occasion. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know we got fourth once, but that looks a bit of a fluke, like Leicester's championship win in some respects. I think we got a little bit of a run, didn't we? Yeah, and I think that now the Premier League, the way it's moved on, you only have to look at the teams around us. Leicester have come from Leicester have strung three wins together and are now above us. You know, a couple of weeks ago they were they were the they were in the same position as Everton mm. where it was yeah people saying about Claude Pell or well, yeah. two more defeats and Leicester be the club nervous looking over the shoulder. Mm. You know, Palace could potentially put two wins together and I think they 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 climb up the table as well. New, Newcastle eleventh. You know, they were wrote off at Christmas almost down yeah, there. So they were gonna go, weren't they? Yeah. You know, you've got to kick on now and you've got to move on in the Premier League. You've got to you've got to keep striving yeah. to improve and the right back position ultimately is one where we need to improve. Yeah. And that's why it's an, it'll be inevitable I think that will bring someone in the summer interesting stuff I think if anyone's read uh, the interview with Marshall Brands on the Echo website it, it, I think it proves beyond all yeah. doubts that he's got a man with yeah. a plan doesn't he I yeah. don't think we'll be going into this transfer no. window uh, blind I think no. he'll know exactly what he wants but M- M- Mache said it himself didn't he sorry Paul a couple of years ago the AGM where he said we can't become a museum almost Yeah. and the one thing that was with the Steve Walsh you know Signings under specifically mm. some other you, you see all cuts and that that kind of doesn't move on from that because we're just we just we're just signing we're just in the old, same position. old has two been years. Premier League yeah, Premier players who are going to come in right. yeah. for a yeah. couple of more years and then they'll leave. You know we need to start bringing fresh young you know yeah. talent into the ranks who can kick us on and take us to the next level. The view from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The view from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Interesting stuff. Two such players, uh, Andre Gomez, who you mentioned, was magnificent against West Ham and Kurt Zuma, who opened the scoring fine header. Both on loan, you know, I think it's fair to say the club and fans want to keep them. But, you know, if the price is north of 50 million, 60, you know, 60, 70 million for the two of them, 
what do you reckon lads would you be willing to pay that kind of money given the fact that you know again this summer there's going to have to be a bit of balance in the books you're talking about paying what 50, 60 million and essentially not really improving your team because they're there anyway it's it's a difficult one. I mean, let's take Gomez first. I've seen 30 million. I think Connie was saying you've seen 40 mm. million. He's a wonderful, wonderful player. He really is. A, a, I think he's a real Rolls Royce. 30 million. Yeah, I'd probably pay that. 40 million. I, I don't know. I think it depends really how much Brandon Silver are going to be given. I personally think it's going to be a king's ransom. I really don't think. I, th- I think the focus is we're looking at younger players. That's to me saying, well, you know what, guys, we're going to build for the future. You just give us a couple of seasons, and you know, in time, when this side develops, expect big things. I, I don't think. I think we've tried the scattergun approach. You know, look at Cumin and, and uh, we've got a problem here. What should we do? Let's buy another number ten. I think we ended up with about fifty-six of them. Uh, I, I think those days, I think Moshiri's lens is lessened very, very quickly. I think this brand has been brought in as a director of football. This is your job. This is what you're going to do. And he wants to do it. Uh, the two lads have done nothing wrong, I was saying before, on a personal level. Uh, as an Evertonian and as a father of a three-year-old, having a player like Zuma, who shares his name, one of the Paw Patrol, <laughs> it would be easy to recruit my daughter to be an Everton fan. So I'm mean, on a personal level, I hope he stays. But I think with Zuma, you know... I think with Chelsea maybe doing a strat, they're going to want a real hefty amount. And Mina, I don't know, what, is he going to sort his injury pr- uh, problems out? Mason Holgate's coming back. We don't know what, you know, he's certainly doing well. So I don't know, with Zuma, probably low to pay 20, 25, you know, 20, 25 million, yeah, probably. But I think you're looking up towards 30, 40. I'm not sure. I, I don't generally think he's worth it, lads. I really don't. Yeah, I, I, I'm of the belief of John um, I think a lot depends on, on the, the, the price I personally don't think we'll get Zuma because of the incoming transfer or the, the incoming brackets pending transfer ban that yeah. could potentially hit Chelsea because it all seems very confusing at the minute doesn't yeah, it yeah. it's, it's one of them where you kind of read thinking well I've got a low degree, so I'm not really sure. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 they'll fight it. Won't <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I'll say that there's there's clause that they, they they think that they so it still seems to be a bit of a minefield in terms of what's going to actually happen. Watch this space. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not too convinced on the Zoom. I think anyway. I think from a Marcel Brands, Marcel Silver point of view, I think they'll be desperate to get him in because I don't think Yeri Mina's filled them with much confidence in so far this season. In the, Not in his performance, it's more in the sense that he can't stay fit. He, he can't get himself in the, a consistent run of teams. He's injured again. It seems as though he disobeyed Silver and the club's orders by going on international duty and playing two games in. It was it five days he played yeah. and yeah. They, they told him to only play with at least one. And he played in both and come back with another apparent knock. Um, so... For me, there's, there's something certainly going on there. Um, and I just think with Andre Gomez, yeah, it's vital that we keep him because he's been so much instrumental in everything that's been good so far this year. But for 40 million, do I expect a little bit more? Probably, yeah. I think he's, he's he has a Rolls Royce for centre midfield. He's fantastic on the ball. But you've got to have a little bit more than that. I think if you're going to cost 40 to 50 million, he's got to have more goals to his game potentially. You know, don't forget, this is a a, a, a lad who went missing almost post Christmas. You know, he, he struggled, didn't he? he? Was in of the team. He couldn't really, didn't really look like he was at the races in a lot of the games. And for me, I just think 
for that type of money, you've got to have a lot more than just what Gomez is doing right now. Yeah, he's neat and tidy. Yeah, he's he, he he keeps the ball. He moves. He dictates play. But you want to see that little bit of explosion, that little bit of you know a third man runs the box, a couple of shots from distance. You know that type of thing. And for forty million, that's what forty to fifty million. That that's certainly what I'd be expecting. Yeah. But you do wonder a little bit where our midfield potentially in the summer if Idrissa goes. I know he, he's there was rumor quotes, but well, there was quotes that he reports he said that he still holds the ambition to go to PSG in the summer understandable understandable yeah, it's, still his, it's still his dream to play you know Champions League football you probably think that the summer the club will be a little bit more willing to do business and, and particularly though given the way he's responded to that yeah, kind of knockback yeah as well. you know you probably think that I think in some respects the run we were on at the time in January the fact that we're a, we're a better team with him and we're out here yeah. the fact that we wouldn't have been able to bring anyone in yeah, exactly. I think all, all that kind of meant that the club were backed into a corner where they couldn't do any type of business mm. or sell them because they knew the backlash would be would be fierce um, but I think in the summer it'll be a different ball game I think yeah. so it is a little bit worrying in the sense that if we don't get a deal over the line for Gomez and we address the guy leaves the club all of a sudden that that sort of middle two that's been instrumental in a lot of what we've been good at so far this season yeah. if we're being honest is no longer at the club mm. and you're then thinking well, okay well who's already in the ranks who could potentially step up what's well, Tom Davis Morgan Schneiderlin James McCarthy the first two I don't think I've got many uh, a future at the club anyway personally um, so I think Schneiderlin will be one of the ones who they'll try yeah. and cash in on it doesn't really feel much confidence anyway, does it? If you were to turn around and say, well, next year, we're not going to have Andre Gomez or... Uh, yeah. Just gonna we'll, we'll have Morgan Schneider in there with A another. Mm. You certainly wouldn't be thinking, oh, well, that's us potentially closing the gap on, on the top yeah, exactly. six. Um, so I think it's a, it's a big... It's a big in, it's going to be a big interesting summer for, for Evertonians to see what way we go. Because I agree with John. I don't think there's going to be loads of money around. And I think a little, a little bit of me inside thinks that we might sell Adrissa to fund the Gomez deal yeah. if I'm being honest I think the club might might accept losing one if it means keeping the other yeah. to ensure they don't end up losing both it probably brings me to my next question that because I think I think you're absolutely spot on lads I think with with Gomez and Zuma if a deal could be done I'm, I'm sure the club would do it because we know the good performance mm. and I'm, I'm with you Connor I think with Gomez there's more to come like in the second half against Chelsea he was having shots wasn't he that yeah. goal against Wolves at yeah. home he's clearly got it in him just needs to bring it out a bit more yeah. but you, if he's a player there's no question about it but say then yeah we do get them for 60 million there's still a right back a striker yeah. and probably yeah. another winger to be brought in and unless Machiri surprises us all which he's done in the past and goes here you go Marcel Marco here's another 70-80 million go who get your need we're going to have to to sell players and in a fancy football land, you know, we'd sell McCarthy, Bessic, Sanzo, <laughs> you know, Balassi <laughs> and bring in 60, 80 yeah, million. Yeah. And, but it's not going to happen, is no. it? Like, no. Let's face it, they'll I be mean, out on loan. We'll, we'll struggle to give Martina away, won't we? Sorry, mate. No, but that, that's that's the thing. So yeah. it kind of, that, that coming round, going a long way round. So it's my next question there. If it's not a guy, is there any player in the squad, if a big money offer came in for you'd reluctantly let him go I know there's been links well, with Keane I, I, you know, and Tottenham and Arsenal yeah. this week you know if someone come in for a 50 million for, for Keane or 70 million for Richardson is this something perhaps over these next couple of years we might have to get used to like every season a, a good player going to keep on renewing and rebuilding yeah, the squad I, I know what you're saying and I think that the difficult thing is, is that every week someone a priority gets added to the list doesn't it I mean it was only two weeks ago 
three weeks ago now, we were talking about the need to have needs to sign a, a good goal, a good backup goalkeeper. Who could come in and challenge Jordan Pickford? Obviously, the, the centre forward one needs addressing massively. Yeah. First and foremost, because um, we we can't we can't afford not to bring someone in yeah. in in that area. Yeah, um, we've got to. we've got. To, I yeah. mean, especially if you look at it in in the sense of, you know, Umanias is. His time is clearly up at the club. Yeah. Shank Tolson's time was probably up in January, but he didn't want to leave, so <laughs> the club were, were forced to stick with him in, in some respects. Um, again, I like really like Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but again, if you're going into the season with just him as the focal number nine, you'd be worried. Of course. You, you'd be worried because if he gets a knock, you know, mm. where are we going to go? And I, I think that the big £50 million players, and etc. of what we've got, I don't really think we've got that much in terms of talented backs in our ranks. If, I, if I'm being honest, I think, you know, you look back at maybe September, you obviously said Richarlison could be worth 60 to sixty to 70 million the way he was playing then. Now you're probably saying, oh, well, he's, he's kind of, he's, he's, he's echoed what a lot of Watford fans said we were getting when we first signed him. Well, you'll see moments of pure, brilliant, pure, pure brilliance, but then you'll also see a, at amounts of moments where you'll think does he even want to be here is he? and I think we have seen that you know I think in terms of losing players that's just football isn't it I think that the best that you know you look at the way for me after Ronaldo left Real Madrid in the summer to go to Juventus it proved that any football transfer in in any transfer in football is possible because you would never have imagined Real Madrid would let Ronaldo leave mm. the way they did to go to another another rival European club, um, but they did because they, obviously the, the offer was too good to turn down. And I think you know, as Evertonians, we've almost experienced that before any other club, in some respects, because that was happening to us fifteen years ago. You know, you look back at the David Moyes era. You know, there wasn't a summer where we didn't lose our best player or our best player was subject to Wayne Rooney to, to, I mean, to numerous things was it you know Wayne Rooney even, yeah he'd barely even come out of nappies do you know what I mean and, and he's playing for Everton and suddenly Man United won him don't they Man yeah. United get him you know then no. you know even look from like you know Stephen Pienaar yeah. John Stones yeah. um, Lukaku even Lukaku yeah. you know yeah, was, was, yeah. A, was, was a massive one so we've almost been used you know you see like Liverpool fans with Suarez when in the end the club they made us enough that like you know we couldn't turn the hand he wants to go the same with Coutinho yeah. I was sort of saying to my Liverpool mates who back up well that's been for us for 15 years yeah. you know we've had that for years yeah. you know it's nothing doing for you making up that was like oh we're the first club we've ever had to start doing this like well no every club's had to do it we were one of the first at Everton just, every, that's every, just football you know? every club's a selling club aren't they yeah, you, know. you know what I mean I mean Man U people say the biggest club well that's Ronaldo because he wants to the selling club yeah Real Madrid have decided, you know what, we want out Ronaldo, as they to another European rival. But I said, you know, it's what you do, isn't it? I mean, Neymar didn't really see him leaving. No. Uh, but, you know, there he is, playing to save a PSG. So, geez, what are you about Dina? A big, a big <sighs> that, that's that's what I was trying to kind of probably see, get I, to. I think he's the player that could command a massive fee. I really yeah, do. It, 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 you look at him and people are talking about him. I think there was a story today, wasn't he? He's like in the top 10 and Premier League, you know, providers. Oh, stats, like, stats yeah. are excellent, aren't they? And then that, that's what I mean. But, mm. you know, that's what I'm trying to, I was trying to say with that question. It's almost something we have to get used to. If, if mm. this Marcel Brand's philosophy is going to be bring him in young or bring him in like Dean, he's 24, 25, yeah. who, who had not a bad time at Barcelona but wasn't Outcast playing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you have, to, you have to play smart in the market. Whereas, yeah, you might get him for a season or two, but if they 
light up the Premier League. You might have to lose them in a yeah. way, but is that a bad thing? You know, or is mm-hmm. because I know as Evertonians, we want to keep our best yeah. players. Don't well, we? I, th- I think it's it's it depends in the context, doesn't it? Because I think if you know if we were to lose. Say Luca Dean, but we had someone at left back who was in the already in the ranks who could come in yeah, and fill the void. Can, it's what you can bring you know, in, isn't it? What we can't yeah. afford is like what we've done with Lukaku almost. Bear. Yeah, we sold Lukaku for seventy five million. Some say we we got too much. Some say we got too little. Yeah. You know, we never ever replaced them. We still haven't replaced them now. No. We're still working out how we're still going to score goals without them yeah. in the team. Um, and that's what we can't afford to go down the road. Or we can't afford to revisit that way. Yeah. You lose a massive. Someone who's so big and influential in your team that you take them out, yeah. and it's almost like, well, who's going to step in and fill that breach? And mm. you know, in the end, we ended up going down the road of where we try to sign umpteen number tens mm. in the hope that they could all get the, the twelve to fifteen goals a season yeah. that they had done. And if all three of them got a consistent run of games mm. and all got twelve to fifteen goals without well, replacing Lukaku's goals, yeah. it clearly didn't work out like that. It, yeah, it didn't yeah. work. It didn't work like that. And we're still paying the price now for Lukaku's departure because. You know, just you look back on Sunday there, Saturday, sorry, Saturday evening, the Kaku would have got two. If, if we're being honest, yeah, because they, they, they were the type of game oh, where he always scored, yeah. didn't he? scoring against West Ham. I mean, I think someone turned around he could get it. Lukaku could play with Ebola. Yeah. He'd score against West yeah. Ham. The West Ham fans literally would say, well, we're going to have to score two to beat because we know Lukaku's scoring against us. Yeah. This wasn't something like 10 straight games he scored against them. It was just West Ham was his team. But it? I mean, like the context of playing a, oh, God, a yeah, team yeah. who's below us in the table, mm. you know, balls going into the box. They were the, they were the type of games Lukaku really thrived on, didn't he? Yeah. He got he was goals. Bully, wasn't he? He, he was got goals. Yeah, goals and two, three goals, as you say. That that's what yeah. his numbers up, wasn't it? And, and I just think that y- you look, at, you look now. We can't afford to go back into that mode of no. where we lose key influential figures. Almost, I mean, and to be fair, up until that point, we kind of got away with it a little bit because you know, even like we lost John Stones, who's, who's a fabulous talent, but we brought in Ashley Williams. I don't know, Ashley Williams enjoyed the torrid, torrid time last season. But in his first season with the club, he, he was did, okay. He didn't he? do that bad. Yeah. He, you know, he, he, so we kind of got away with it a little Hope bit in that way. Like player, didn't yeah, you know. You know. We, so we, when we've lost players in the past, we've kind of when we lost Rooney, we got away with it because like Tim Cahill come in, we yeah. ended up bringing Arteta in. So we, we kind of were able to go. But Lukaku's a big one, and mm. I think going back to your original question, yeah. we can't get into that for you. So we could potentially cash in. Mm. You know, say for instance, a year down the line. You know, while Virginia used to under twenty goal, he's very highly thought of. Impresses week after week with a string of him is impressed week in week with a you know a string of impressive displays. If he's really knocking on the door at that point to take the number one jersey, and you know, and when United come in with sixty million for Pickford, then yeah, you could potentially see the thing. Obviously, well, with that seventy million in the bank, and we've got this kid here who's really, really a hot prospect who's on a long term deal with us. Who we've got no hesitation in putting in. Then yeah, you know you could see us doing that that type of business and fans accepting it, but we can't have it where you lose your best. Like I say, yeah. we could lose a Dristigan again on Andre Gomez this summer. Who fills that void then? Exactly. Yeah. And John, I don't know about you, mate, but certainly reading the brand stuff again this week filled me with confidence that if the worst was to happen yeah. and Pickford was to go in a year's time or yeah. someone came in the next couple of seasons for Dean. Brands, it, it's not Steve Walsh, this, and I don't mean to mm. pick well, Steve right, out. Though, it's not Walsh and Koeman. He's Koeman, a scout who's employed as a director yeah. of football, wasn't he? You know, no, I, I, I couldn't disagree with you. I mean, I don't, I look at Brands and I don't see anything. He doesn't seem to do anything by accident, does he? It's almost like he's budgeting and planning for everything. You know, you know, he's the kind of man, while we're all celebrating a win against West Ham, he's thinking about well, what about when we're playing West Ham next season? What about when we're doing this to doing that? 
personally, I know it's the same we said before, in brands we trust, you know, and I do genuinely believe Everton are now walking in. You know, whether you're in the Silver Camp or not in the Silver Camp, Silver's Mercedes, man, and, he's, and Brands is, is certainly building that around Marco Silva. And as you say, reading it, and I've read it a couple of times now, Paul, I've, I've not, I'm filled with nothing but confidence. I think there is, a, you know, even, and I've said before about leaders and stuff like that, I think Brands is well aware of that. And, you know, people say, oh, you need to buy an older player for the lead. Kevin Ratcliffe was 23 when he became captain. So maybe he does have, you know, something on his mind or someone out there thinking, yeah, he's going to fill that void. For me personally, I don't think we'll be... I, if I'm wrong, I'll whole hum- humbly apologise. But I don't think we're going to be in this going into the next season thinking, oh, we really haven't filled that void. I, I really believe Brands will get it right for us. I, I think the big thing with, with Brands as well is that his background, he's almost yeah. used to the kind of wheeling and dealing. Mm. You know, Dutch football, you know, I've read a lot of Edwin van der Sar stuff with Ajax and you know, PSV of, of Simrilk where it's almost like they set out to develop talents, nurture them, Give them a first team opportunity, and then just wait for the big money offers to come in, and then to sell it's them well on. You know, yeah. yeah. You know, it's you look at the lads. Is it De Jong, who's at Ajax now, who's going to Barcelona? Who's already signed for Barcelona? Who's going to summer? Oh yeah, for 60, 70 million. Yeah. And he was the he's just the latest one off the production line almost. And I think that kind of experience will help brands because it's not like we've gone out there and poached. You know, Barcelona's former sporting director, for instance, brought him in. And then when we sell our best player because we get a two, and he's sitting there going, well, this has never happened to me this before. I've never been in a situation where, you know, we sell our best player because, you know, at Barcelona, we, no one ever wants to leave. Whereas with Brands, it's almost like he's, he knows how to, how it goes and how it works. And he's, it's almost probably second nature to him the whole, you know, you get a, a, a young, someone in, mm. develop them, nurture them, improve them, give them an opportunity and then wait for the big money to come in, sell them on and then the next one comes along then and, I think that'll really help yeah. the a, production line at the club. He's a businessman, and he he's a businessman with a knowledge of football. And football's a business nowadays. Yeah. You know, I, I love those videos where he's giving everyone you know the high five and shaking hands. Before it's first and foremost, Brands by the his demeanour. He's a businessman. He's the kind of person you you know he's gonna have full grasp of the books, but also have that knowledge about what's gonna fit best on the pitch. And and for me, it, it, it's almost like. You know, he's going to be Mercedes' golden egg for me. He really is. And I think in brands we have, I keep saying it, I think we've got a guy who's steering us into a very, very, you know, steering a very, very comfortable Everton ship there. He's definitely the man overseeing uh, recruitments. Do you think, to bring it back to the football a little bit, the Europa League is a big draw for possible targets? You know, you know, sometimes as Evertonians, are we a bit down on the Europa League, particularly after what happened with... Cumin in his last season in charge, but you know this is European football. Top, top, top teams will be playing um, in it. Do I think it will attract us players? Probably not. No, I think if we're being honest, probably not. I think players nowadays tend to look at the Premier League as the golden egg, isn't it? Which it is now. There's no doubt in that. The wages, obviously, are a big one, aren't they? Especially the, the lads from Europe who, 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 who come to the Premier League. That you see some of the hikes that they get in, in the wages, and it's no names mentioned. Sanzo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to, I was going to drop him in, yeah. but yeah. How much are you going to get for him? Like? A, a, a prime example. So he yeah. probably was probably on just about two figures in Spain. Yeah. And all of us just went from just about two figures to a whopping three figures sum in the yeah. space of you know a week, probably. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's got that much attraction to it. But for me personally, I think we should be going all out to get in the Europa League. I really, really do. I think 
it's a fantastic competition that real has real rewards and I think we're, we're as Evertonians it, it, well, my, my, my take on it is that we're judging it solely off the Ronald Koeman reign yeah. which I think is, is wrong to do because everything Koeman done in them four months he was of the season was disastrous you know it wasn't like oh well the Premier League form suffered because of the Europa League. The Premier League suffered because we were <laughs> badly managed. We we, we, we we had any set formation. Yeah. We had a lopsided team. Some of the friendlies as well. I mean, what yeah. was all that about? We had we had a manager who, who'd obviously give up by the by the time certainly by the time the Arsenal came the Arsenal game come around. Um, so I, I think it's it's wrong and harsh to kind of say, oh well, it was a real real you know, it's a real bad competition to be in because. Of Ronald Koeman's reign, well, nothing worked well of Ronald Koeman's reign. If, you know, if we're being honest, I think even under David Unsworth in the competition, yet we struggled. But you look at the moves and the, the, the you know around the club at that point when Unsworth come in, the Atalanta game, the Lyon game, everyone was on the floor, wasn't they? Everyone give up. People, Horrible. people give up, hadn't they? You know, yeah. we, fans were going to games like you said there, John earlier. Fans were going to games thinking we're going to get we're going to get beat. How many? It's just a question yeah. of how many today, you know. And I think you shouldn't judge it. I mean. Certainly for me, some of the best nights I've experienced at Goodison in recent years were actually in the away for Cup under David Moyers. You know, you look back at the Florentina, okay, we, we crashed out on penalties, but what a night that was. It's, it's a nice you know, talk about certainly with yeah, you know, generation and yeah. Everton's one of the greatest. There's, there's people I know who, who were going to the game in the, the 80s and yeah. were at Bayern Munich, and mm-hmm. although it wasn't on that level, it said that was the closest time he'd been remembered to something like that, yeah. you know, for me, it was on par a little bit in terms of the Man United game and Ferguson scores in 4 The difference that being was that that night you left Goodison Park absolutely bouncing because you knew we were pretty much going to get fourth place. Yeah, that was the this one. time round, you left it distraught thinking what could have been. Um, so yeah, for me, I think it's a competition we should be looking to get in. I think it's it's a really good competition to be in. I think the way it works now with the group games, etc. Yeah. is really good. And... You know, I'd love, I'd love us to be in it next year. I really, really would. I, I don't, honestly, don't understand the gripes people have in it and saying no, no, we should, you know, we should do everything not to get in it. Yeah. I think that's totally the wrong attitude to have. And you know, ultimately, I know it's it's a bit far fetched and what have you, but if we were to win it, win the Champions League. Exactly. I mean, you look at the two English clubs left in it. They're not, you know, they're Arsenal and Chelsea, both. Premier League winners, mm. you know, both considered big clubs. Both of this guy's darling top six, aren't they? And they're still going for it. I mean, Arsenal pulled a comeback against Wren. Yeah, you know, three Chelsea, one down. They, exactly. Yeah. So they're certainly taking it seriously. Chelsea, you know, this wasn't long ago. Chelsea were winning the Premier League. They're taking it seriously. I think as Everton Football Club, we've got a duty to go for European football. Oh, there's loads of games. Well, you build your squad for that. Yeah, you, and that's what you do. You know, when you think about it, I mean, Liverpool have been. Incredibly successful as have United, Chelsea have had a lot of European. Not many English teams have European trophies. We have mm. one, you know. And okay, I know obviously the the ban still rankles with a lot of Blues and and and, and but that ended in nineteen ninety. Wouldn't it be nice, you know? I mean, I I can remember ninety five. You know, that was a cracking little European run. Okay, I know it ended the final, but got a good few games in there, you know, and and Fiorentina. I mean, that's hairs on the back of your neck. And everyone forgets that Europa League competition. We were the only team to beat the winners. Yeah. We turned yeah, up as a team. Another night, pe- a bit pe- more luck against Fiorentina. People you know. forget that. You know, a couple of teams, I think we would have played Rangers. Would have yeah. in, in, in the next. In, no, no, we would have played Rangers next. Oh, would have been Rangers next. We would have played yeah. Rangers next. And the, the finals with the Etihad. And 
I just, I agree with you. I just yeah. think we should be, we should be, we should we should be, be relishing these European nights. You know, if we're going to be taking seriously, let's be honest, the success of Everton Football Club, three teams have won more league titles. We should be relishing Europe. We can get it. Let's get it. And, and, and as Connor says, you know, if we could win it, okay, it's probably, it's a massive, massive ask. It's a place in the Champions League, but also as well, isn't another chance to play for that trophy that, let's be honest, young Evertonians and even older Evertonians have massively been starved over these years. You know, whatever, mm. football club. I thought we should have, at the very least, be competitive. Well said. To get into Europe, obviously, Everton have to finish seventh. Hope Man City win the uh, the FA Cup. Uh, Wolves and Watford both won last night. Yeah. We're recording this on, on Wednesday. Uh, so they're in the driving seat again. Yeah. But of course, they're not playing this weekend because they're both in the Cup semi-final against each other. Fixes against Arsenal really closed the gap on them again. A few weeks ago, I, I said this to you, John, before we started, and I was probably looking at the Arsenal and the United yeah. and Chelsea games going, Phew, it's going to be tough. Now I'm going into Sunday thinking, this is very, very winnable. Is, I, are, are these couple of wins gone to my head or are you guys the same? I, I have to agree. This is Goodison Park, isn't it? The the atmosphere, the belief seems to be, well, why shouldn't we be bringing teams? And, you know, I can remember under Martinez's first season, smashed Arsenal 3-0. And Arsenal's always been the one for me because... If we're ever going to get spanked, we seem to be get spanked royally by them. They don't just put two and three past, they tend mm. to put five past us. Also, look early in the season, I'm not saying about the referees, we owe Arsenal one massively. Because let's be honest, Calvert-Loon sticks that one away early on. Some awful, awful officiating. I mean, it, you know, Stevie Wonder has spotted that offside. <laughs> oh, the second one was. You know, and, and you're thinking, wow. You know, so let's let's have Arsenal at Sunday and let them, let them fight. We'll make them fight our fight. And why not? And, and, you know, whether we get Europa, let's let's finish this season on a high. You know, this is how many clean sheets, I think, four in the last five. We've put back-to-back wins together for the first time. Why can't we make it three wins on the bounce? Why can't we, you know, we did that, Chelsea. I think that was the first result against the top four side since Jelovic scored top, No, it was the, the first top six. First time we beat a team in the top six since we stuck four past City. Yes. Um, when Guardiola's go. first season. Yeah. The Tom Davis game, yeah, yeah that goal, yeah. <laughs> well, see, see, there, see, there you go. You know, you're looking at that, and, and why can't we go and scalp another side? Where do you will win against Arsenal? I really believe that. So they're coming here. They're gonna have, well, they're gonna have probably eyes on the Champions League, but they'll also have eyes on Europe. They'll be fancying a Europa League final, and who can blame them? So why can't we catch them cold? You know, why can't if we we hit them the way we hit West Ham or the way we hit Chelsea second half, we can rattle that team because Arsenal are good. They ain't that great. Yeah, I agree, Paul. Um, I'm actually on holiday this weekend, so I'm not yeah. going to be there. I'm away. You're watching a better match, aren't you? Yeah, well, hopefully. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I was, when I was, knew I was going to miss it, about three weeks ago, I was thinking, oh, well, I made up, I'm on holiday now, because, you know, I'm not going to miss nothing there, and I might just be more, loads of moaning blues and half on a Sunday <laughs> yeah. where, where everyone's got an hangover. Yeah. Um, but now I'm, now it's actually come around, so I'm a bit disappointed I'm not going to be there, because I've got a sneaking feeling that we'll be in. Sunday, I think we'll, we'll put one over on them, and, um, I think that ultimately these are a team that can they're, they're in great form and I think yeah, you know you and I am doing a fantastic job there yeah. a fantastic job I mean their squad is the worst of the top six in my opinion the worst um, so the fact he's got them into third the way he has is, phenom- is phenomenal really but I still I agree with John I think they're there to be got at and I think if we can get at them get up get up with them you know be on it from the first whistle not let them dictate the play and get on the ball and you know, do what we've seen Arsenal teams do to us in the past where they plays off the pitch. We get in the face and stop them and play with the aggressive type of tone like we did against Chelsea in the second half. I think we could we could easily beat them on um, on, on Sunday. And 
I think it'd be fan- it'd be massive for Silver if he can get two wins. I think he gets he gets victories over Chelsea and Arsenal at home. Massive going into Man United as well in two weeks' time because, like you said earlier in the show, you look back to that Cardiff game after the break, and you know there was a lot of people feeling, and I was one of them thinking, well, if he's a Cardiff and an absolute drop on by Liverpool, it could be curtains for him. This, you know, it could be at the point of no return. The fact that he could potentially get a scalp over Arsenal after beating Chelsea, going to West Ham, winning so comfortably, it'd be massive, and I think it, it would give them real, real momentum towards kick on to the end of the season. Definitely. So, probably final question. Predictions. I think I know what you're both going to go for. What is the scoreline? 2-1, Everton. Well, he said 2-1, so I'll go 3-2. I'm going to go 2-0. This is a clean sheet. Clean sheet, yeah. We love a clean sheet at Everton. Well, we do now. (laughs) Fingers crossed. We'll be reflecting on the Arsenal game in next week's View from the Gladys Street podcast with Ian, hopefully. (laughs) Unless he calls if he decides on me. to come in. Yeah, if he decides to come in. <laughs> yeah, he's picked you know, the first four winners. You might never see him again. Yeah. 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 He, he might be off, yeah. Very true. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I've really enjoyed standing in for him. Enjoy speaking to you boys and listening to you. Great stuff. Thanks very much for joining us. Cheers, Paul. Thank you, Paul. You've been listening to The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.